So listen, as I've been opening up uh, this series with uh, the, uh, the personal thoughts that I have when it comes to um, the power of the Holy Spirit working in my life personally, uh, one thing I know is for sure is that the, the Spirit of God has um, worked profoundly, supernaturally, um, non-negotiably in, in my life, in the life of my family, um, in so many unique ways. But you need to also know that God has and is working in the life of our church. There's a lot of things that happen you don't even know that happens. You know, there's a lot of things that go on. Unfortunately, we can't document everything because many times it's in the moment, as you see in a book of Acts, that things just happen and you just flow with God and then God does amazing things. So what I want to do is just give you a couple of things today as far as we as a church. So remember last week I was telling you that the church uh, many times, the funding lags the vision, right? God will say, do this. Uh, go there and funding somehow, some way, many times lags behind what God wants us to do. But it's interesting is that if you didn't know that our parking lot was actually smaller than what we have today. Um, and uh, we uh, own and bought a property next door to it that uh, we had to tear down to give us more parking space. And uh, the township simply said you couldn't leave it gravel um, but you had to pave it. And, and we're thinking, okay, well, how are we going to fund it being paid? So we got a quote, and it was about 75, 70 plus thousand dollars. And um, I remember just praying and asking God to do a miracle, as always. And we stood, we went back in front of the township and said, hey, can you give us more time? They said, nope, you have to the end of the year. <laughs> and now uh, winter's coming and snowfall is coming. It's like, how are we going to figure this out? And the only thing we had was, God, you, we have a responsibility to represent you well in the marketplace. And we want to be good stewards. And we, wanna, wanna, we don't want to preserve, we don't want to uh, hurt the preservation of your reputation. So God, you're going to have to do a miracle. Because we don't have 70000 dollars just laying around to just do whatever we want with it. So that being said, uh, one the first thing that began to happen was God gave us wisdom and negotiated well, and we got the price down to $45,000 or so. So we immediately saved 30 plus thousand. So we were rejoicing and celebrating that. But then the, the clock was ticking <laughs> and we didn't have much time. So uh, a little less than one month, okay, 300, 400% less of people that we have in our church today raised 45 plus thousand dollars in a month, less than a month. And we were able to pave the parking lot, stripe the parking lot, and be able to honor our word with the township, right? Preserving his reputation, right? I mean, they were striping the lot, putting the last stripe on the parking lot when the snow started falling. falling. All right, and listen, I can tell you the times that God has for whatever reason, has sent people who were demon-possessed, demon-oppressed, and God has delivered them. We don't hang a shingle out there and say, this is what's happening. God is doing things like that in our church, through our church. All right, listen. Uh, I, one of the best testimonies I ever received was a phone call from a mother who said, my son is, was addicted to drugs for so much of his life. He sat in the worship service under the teaching and he says he walked out and was delivered. 
Nobody touched him. Nobody, there was no altar call. He just sat under the authority of God's word. The Lord delivered him and never returned to drugs again. I say that to you because those are the things that God has done. Okay, some of you probably in this room has not experienced some of those things, even know that those things like that has happened in our midst. But you just need to know that the powerful work of God is working in our church, through our church. But here's the deal. He wants to use individuals. In other words, is he working similarly in your personal life, the life of your family? You follow me? Do you see the hand of God moving unmistakably in your life as we see and we're noticing in the book of Acts? Can you say, can you say that, that I am walking so intimately with God that I can, we're going to learn, hear his voice and respond to his voice and be exactly where he wants me to be, when he wants me to be there to see lives change for all eternity. That's what he wants for each person, young or old, uh, in our church today and those who are watching. So that being said, what I'd like to do is just back up to move forward. So we're going to review some slides real quickly. And as you review these slides, remember, uh, Jesus said, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you should receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you should be individual, isolated people? No. You see, his power in you and through you is not just for you or me. It's for Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. The beautiful thing about it is it's for everyone but you. <laughs> You know, and, that, and that's the awesome thing about, you know, the, 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 the body of Christ. That's the awesome thing about uh, being in sweet fellowship and communion with Jesus is that it is never about you. It's about them. But when we get that, that context and responsibility of, of taking care of others, then God always does what? Takes care of us. That's the beautiful thing that God does all the time. All right, so sermon series purpose. Can we read this together on three? One, two, three. To encourage the body of Christ to give the Holy Spirit complete access so that he may still act powerfully in us and through us today. Remember the key word is what? Complete. Not partial, right? And again, as I've been reiterating over and over again, you have been given the full power of the Holy Spirit upon your salvation. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit indwells you. All of him, the third person of the Trinity lives within you supernaturally. Tell me how to explain that. I don't know. When we all die, go to be with him in heaven, he'll explain it to us. All right. And any theologian try to tell you they know how to explain that. They don't know how to explain it. Trust me. Because it's supernatural. And some things are so unexplainable. But that's the promise. He equips you from the inside out to do marvelous things, to live holy and acceptable and pleasing. The scripture says that he's given you everything according to uh, righteousness and good deeds. Everything you need to do and live righteously to please him and everything you need to do horizontally to what? Serve and help others. He's given it to you through whom? Himself, right? But here's the challenge, complete access. Partial access, partial manifestation. Partial access, partial manifestation. 
partial access, partial manifestation says, I choose not to love everybody, even though I have the lover of my soul living inside of me. Right? I, I choose not to have joy in all things. Right? It's because I choose to give partial access to the Holy Spirit who empowers me to live joyfully in every circumstance as he commands me to. Follow it? Self-control. Fruit of the Spirit, right? Same thing. If I'm always out of control in something with my tongue, with my attitude, it's because I choose to have that part of, that, of my tongue for my use only. It goes on and on and on. Complete access, okay? Real quickly. The next slide, please, guys. The setting the stage, right? There's a four sections we're covering. The local church, which we completed last week. Now we're going to the bow church, or what we call beyond our walls. In other words, leaving beyond our building, leaving beyond our places of comfort. But then we also have the third type of church, we, we are calling it, and that's the all nations, right? That Jesus Christ came to, to uh, matter of fact, he said that his, his church, his house should be a house of prayer for what? All people, all nations. It's not just one or the other, or a few, but all. And lastly, what we're going to do is culminate the entire series with a, a time of prayer and worship, okay? So the eighth part will be a time of prayer and worship. And, and what I totally forgot to share with you the last two Sundays is that you may have seen this shirt. So it was brought, uh, I was talking to Pastor Juan. He said, you know what, it'd be good. Maybe we can get these shirts eighth, the eighth week, then we can all wear them together. Because it says, Commitment Church, why not us? Why not now? And then we can all wear the, wear the shirt, come together, and just celebrate and believe that God's going to do something powerfully within us. And you can, you can go on our website and also the church app to pick one up. And it should be posted by, as far as available by Tuesday. All right? So, uh, next slide, please. Meaning of Acts. All right? Some theologians, most theologians say the book of Acts is named after the Acts of the Apostles. Well, remember, these are ordinary people doing powerful work, right? Stay in Jerusalem until you receive what? Power. Where does that power come from? Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? So, honestly, uh, the apostles had really nothing to do with anything that was being done outside of just being submissive to the Holy Spirit. So, the proper definition of the book of Acts should read, the Acts of the Holy, the Acts of the Holy Spirit of Christ working through the apostles. The acts of the Holy Spirit of Christ working through the apostles, working through you, working through me. Uh, the authors, Luke, he was a Gentile, which was a non-Jew. He was a physician and he was very astute. And that's why you can read in his previous book in Luke chapter one, it talks about this. It says, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning to write it out for you in consecutive order, not a most excellent Theophilus, what we will define in the next slide. It says, so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. He was, he was a precisionist, right? Remember I was saying, you know, a physician understands the, mat understands the matter of life and death, physical life and death. So it's beautiful that he has a physician, right? Physical physician who understands the spiritual physicianal part, right? That says it's a matter of life and death spiritually, eternal life and death. Therefore, there needs to be the ex exact truth of what Jesus Christ came to do for all mankind. All right? So next slide, please. 
Uh, the purpose of Acts, again, is the continuation of the book of Luke uh, and Luke's namesake. All right, next slide. All right, who is Theophilus? Remember we said this could be a, a actual person who is a Roman uh, official, most excellent Theophilus. But we also understand that there's two parts of the, of the name, right? Theo, God, right? Theology, the study of God. Ology means the study of. Theology, the study of God. So you have God, right? And you have Theophilus, uh, which means friend. So you flip that many times in other languages as opposed to English. It now says friend of what? God friend of God and we we noted that this then could have been written to um, a group of people who were friends of God right but we also know that the third group of people it could have been written to uh, could have been uh, those who were uh, desiring or we want to give an invitation for you to become what a friend of God. And as I've been tying this together, it's important to underscore is that because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, you are all what? Friends of God. Right? You are friends of God. And, and the more intimate a friendship becomes, the more complete access you give that friend to your life. Right? Likened to the Holy Spirit. The more Jesus becomes your best friend, right? The more complete access you're going to give him in every area of your life. So therefore, this book is written to who? Us, who are what? Friends of God. Make sense? All right, next slide, please. I think we're going to get into some highlights. All right, chapter one, uh, Jesus' commission, right? We covered that. His commission and his ascension. He said, hey, here you go. Here's the instructions. See you later. <laughs> I'll see you when you get to heaven, all right, or when I return, one or the other. Uh, chapter uh, 2, day of Pentecost, tongues of fire, all right, as Jesus promised, right? They, these, listen, that's about 15 different or more, all right, locations of people, different, you know, languages and so forth. Now, this is important. This, this, uh, this day of Pentecost, if you would, took place. Um, what is called 50 days after um, what is considered the Passover. You know what the Passover is? It's the celebration of the children of Israel who are leaving what? Egypt. And remember uh, the 10th the, the, the and final plague? It was what? The angel of death. Do what? Take the blood of, the, of a lamb and do what? Spread it over your dough for us. That what? The angel of death does what? Passover. So, so you had at this time of a Passover, it was traditional and, and a custom that proselytes, in other words, those who are now uh, believers um, of the Judeo values or the God of, of, the, of the God of the Jews, is that you had these people who would come to Jerusalem, Mecca, if you would, right? Come to Jerusalem and then celebrate this most, ho ho most holy day, which is what? Passover uh, saying that I remember when God saved his people, his chosen one. Makes sense. So all, that's why all these people were there. And just like God, right, he then says, okay, great opportunity. <laughs> I know you're going to be here. Here, whew, here's my power. So you can now all go back to your countries and see the work accomplished in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the other most parts of the world. So you have some key 
definition. So Pentecost, if you didn't know, it meant 50. So Pentecost occurred on the 50th day after what? After the Passover. That's why everybody was there. All right, keep going. Chapter 3 through 4. This is so important. Peter and John arrested for preaching the gospel. But listen to this. If we are on trial today for a benefit uh, done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the, listen, the stone which, the, uh, which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given unto man, right, by which he must, what, be saved. Now, it gets really strong and deep. Power of the Holy Spirit. It says, now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated, untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Uneducated, untrained people through the power of the Holy Spirit can turn the world upside down. That's what we're talking about, church. Next, please. Chapter 5, the church is funded, we talked about. People were willing to even sell their possessions. They gave God full control of their wealth. Six through eight. First part of eight. The church continues to move in power, courage, organizational structure, and through persecution. So if you can open with me to Acts chapter 8, verse 1. This is fun, isn't it? <laughs> this is so cool. The, the word of God is so fascinating, so inspiring. So what I've done for you is through chapter 8 through 12, I've identified seven ways the local church is now able to move beyond its walls, to go beyond its walls. Today I'll give you the first four Pastor Jose Torres will give you uh, the final three next week. Here's the first in chapter 8, verse 1. Saul, and this is when Stephen was put to death. And guess who was, uh, who was right there? And they cast lots for uh, his clothing right at the feet of Saul. Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death, meaning Stephen. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So here's the, here's the first way that the church is nudged outside of his walls. Persecution. One thing is for sure is this. If you don't go where God tells you to go, do what God tells you to do. He'll help you. Just saying. <laughs> this, is, this is what happens to followers of Jesus Christ. I have my Jerusalem experience, right? Sincere encounter with God. Holy Spirit changes my life. Then I stay in Jerusalem. I get comfortable. But remember, the power is not just for you and your family. 
is for the world. Amen. And specifically, you're part of the world that you can touch. And if you're not going from your Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, the other most parts of the world, however, he chooses you to do it. Church can't go unless individuals go. Amen. He will make you go. And then normally what happens, I call it the honeymoon stage. It's over. Then all hell begins to break loose because most of the time, not most of the time, all the time God is speaking to you gently and you're not listening to him. And he says, okay, nudge, nudge. You can't just keep this to yourself. I gave you time to enjoy me by yourself and get to know me, get close to me. I've given you time to become my friend. Now go tell others about your friend. He always gives that place of grace and time. But if you stay silent and you just stay close-knit and all those feel, feel warm and fuzzy and, and good about you and yours, and yes, he totally changed your life. But it's not just for you. So he says, I'm accomplished my work. Go. And typically it comes from the outside in. Most of the time, he'll send stuff. It's like, I can't believe this is happening to me. I can't believe your life is falling apart. I can't believe they're saying this about me. I can't believe they're treating me unfairly. I can't believe, I can't believe, well, believe it. Because persecution arises for the word's sake. It just happens. And that's why you see from the outs, this outside resistance occurred. Great persecution against the church. It is still happening today against the church. And that's why you can see in, in the entire years of, of church history from the first century church here that we're discussing to the church today, you see this narrative that something's gonna jump off to make the church move. Like COVID. Like racial tensions. Well, you know the gospel is for everyone. Well, why are you living homogeneous? Why you have these mono churches that shouldn't be mono? Okay, what I'm going to do is force you out of your walls. You can't even meet together anymore. I'm going to shut it down, not to shut my, my work down, but to free it where it's supposed to be. And you're seeing the gospel of Jesus Christ go to places that has never been before through churches who have never would have done it before outside of COVID and racial stuff. He would push the church out. The word went about means to come, to go, to pass through different places, travel through regions. So this against you, this, this persecution will come from all different types of angles unless you go. The church needs provoking, unfortunately. It needs to be poked a little bit to, and prodded a little bit to ultimately move where God wants us to be. And that is moving closer towards the will, the perfect will of God. It was the perfect will of God for you to come to know Jesus. Okay? But his permissible will was simply say, okay, you can stay there for a little while and enjoy this for yourself. But the perfect will of God emerges again to say, no, it's not for your Jerusalem only. It's also for Judea. It's also for Samaria. It's for the uttermost parts of the world. So don't fall asleep, church. 
Don't fall asleep because it is for you who make up the church to make sure that we're always moving and progressing towards what God is so designed for the church to be and to become. Make sense? So the church is, is provoked, but the beautiful thing about this is that the church continues to move uh, beyond its walls when we begin to exercise his power. Now we're going to find that the exercising of his power comes in two ways we find in Acts chapter 5. Look at Acts chapter 5, verse 5, 6, and 7. It says this. All right, so Philip went down to the city of Samaria. So he's going down to Samaria, you see. It says, and began proclaiming Christ to them. To them. You hear that? To them, to those people. Right, it says, the crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. For in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them, shouting with a loud voice, and many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was much rejoicing in the city. Do you hear that? Much rejoicing in the city. So you can say contextually for you, your, wherever your city is also includes your house, your home, also includes your family. So today, if you are not rejoicing probably like you used to or like you should be, chances are it is connected to signs. Now, let me go deeper what signs means. These signs are simply a mark. Remember, we talked about signs the last two weeks. It's a mark. It also is that by which a person or a thing is distinguished from another and is made known. So if Jesus Christ is not being made known in your life, and there's this mark on you that, wow, something is different about you, something is distinctively different about you, there's a mark on you that says Jesus is all about you and you are all about Jesus, chances are you're going to lose your joy. You're going to start having inward fighting in the home because now it becomes all about you, 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 all about you making yourself known. When you exercise the power of God and, and you are giving him complete access to your life, he is becoming so visible to, to others in your life that it becomes distinct, you become distinctly different and then makes you make his name known. If people are not noticing Jesus or are or, or finding Jesus through you relationally, you have to begin to back that up and say, okay, well, am I giving him complete access? Am I trying to control my life now to do what I want to do, how I want to do it, and therefore there is no, there's no fruit that says that he has complete access to my life then ultimately, you know what happens to anyone who plants a tree and see no fruit on it. You get frustrated, right? You want to chop the tree down. You start complaining. I can't believe it. I wasted all that money. I wasted all that time. You're right? and, we, and we just get so enamored and frustrated because there's no fruit. When you see fruit, man, something about fruit makes you happy. But then you find in this particular passage, listen to verse 9. It says, now there was a man named Simon who formerly was practicing magic in the city and astonishing. The word astonishing means this, to throw out a position. 
to throw out a position. So he was astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. And they all, from smallest to greatest, were giving attention to him, saying, this man is what, what is called the great power of God. Verse 11, and they were giving him attention because he had for a long time astonished them, threw them out of position with his magic arts. Listen, power of God will always have its counterfeit. Do you realize that Satan has power? Satan has authority? I shared earlier today uh, in Luke chapter 4 where Jesus was taken to the mountaintop uh, and was tempted by Satan and said, hey, look down there, I'll give you that kingdom. I never heard this before, never caught before until I was writing in a day. And you know what it says? It says, uh, I have the authority to give that to you. <laughs> Satan has delegated power. Do you realize that? And he can do miraculous works himself. Matter of fact, he can put people, places, and things out there in front of you to make you think that it's God. But here's the connection, church. This is how you differentiate this because the powerful signs and wonders that happen in your life is never separated from the good news of Jesus Christ. He doesn't just randomly do things and be like, oh, praise the Lord. God is just blessing me. No, no, no. What is it tethered to? What is it leading to? And that's why I look further. Verse 12. Now, remember, these people were deceived, astonished, threw out of position. That's what happens to so many Christians. Oh, listen, praise the Lord. I got this great job. When, when's the hours? Well, it's when... Everything, listen, everything that got you where you are in Christ today is. Verse 12, but when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus. They were being baptized, men, women alike. Amen. But when they saw the miracle plus the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ with it. But when they saw, then it was like, oh, there's something distinctively different from Philip and Simon. Be cautious because you can have people up here like me. You can have scenarios after scenario and you're feeling good. It looks good. It smells good, but it ain't good news. And that's why it says people of high esteem, low esteem were being deceived. Or we can say it this way, according to the scripture, even the very elect will be deceived. 
And you see that today. You're seeing, you're seeing people chasing after men, chasing after power and privilege. And ultimately what is happening is, is that you're having the very elect chase, chase after the people, the places, and things. And it's not even tethered to the gospel. You hear conversations. has nothing to do with the gospel. You have pursuits. Nothing to do with the gospel. You have dreams. Nothing to do with gospel. Nothing to do with, no, no inkling, no, no connection, no relationship, no thought into it, no prayer into it at all. But when Philip showed up with the good news of Jesus Christ, immediately, its power was revealed. Because there is no power outside of the good news of Jesus Christ. You would experience something, but it ain't his power. It would even be good, but it won't be great. It won't be his best. And that's why this good news, it says, it means to evangelize, preach the good news, to publish, to declare the good tidings are good news of Jesus Christ. And then it says, listen to what it says. And he said, they were baptized. They were baptized. Now, why is this important? Why is this important? They were baptized. And, and, and it's interesting that he, he just stuck that in there. Now, there's two types of baptized words ba that define baptized. The first or the one that this is describing is what's called baptizo, right? It's called baptizo. Now, stay with me because it says the best way to describe the two key words of baptism Right, it's found, it says, in some uh, poetry about a pickle, believe it or not. So there's two different words. It is called bapto in Greek, meaning to dip or immerse. The other one is baptismo, which means, uh, it means to uh, immerse for a, moment, a, a period of time and to remain there. So let me connect it with you. Uh, the recipe kind of reads this way. It says, in order to make a pickle, the vegetable should first be baptol or dipped into boiling water. You ever been baptol? <laughs> All right. It says, and then baptismo or right, baptized in the vinegar solution. So you boil and then you stay in vinegar. So Baptizo in the New Testament refers to our union and our identification with Christ. Mark 16, 16. He that believes is what? Baptized. You're not baptized to be saved, but because you are saved, you're what? Immersed in who? Christ. And you stay there. And that's why it's important. It says Christ is saying that mere intellectual Ascent is not enough. There must be this union with him, a real change, a transformation that takes you from vegetable to a pickle. Every time you pick up, uh, you take a pickle, that pickle is, is still what? In the vinegar. There's power in Jesus, remaining in Jesus. 
So we're provoked, we exercise our power, but then we must be disciplined to stay with the process. We gotta stay with the process. You see, you look at Acts chapter one, right? Sent them to Judea, Samaria, right? Acts chapter, Acts chapter eight, verse one, then Acts chapter eight, verse 25. If you can look at that with me, please. Acts chapter eight, verse 25. It says, so when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem. <laughs> they, some way to keep going back to Jerusalem, but it says, and we're preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. That's a non-negotiable process. That we come to know Jesus, we gotta be on the move. We gotta be thinking about others who are not like us, others who are different than us, and that's why when you keep reading here, look at verse 26. But an angel of the, of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. Now, please understand, when you follow the process of God, chances are you're going to find yourself on desert road somewhere. In other words, he can be found in the unthought of places. And he will take you to places yet unknown to ultimately accomplish the end. So if, if this narrative in this eighth chapter stopped here, it's like, wait a minute, why did he just drop me off in the desert? Right? And that's how we, we think many times. We think, well, I'm not going there because that's the desert. I want to go where there's, you know, luscious greenery. I want to go where things are hopping and popping and jumping, right? I want to go where all the action is, right? I want to go where all, you know, the, 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 the good things are happening. That's where I want the Spirit of God to tell me to go. But what if Philip thought that way? He wouldn't have found himself on a desert road and he wouldn't have had this encounter. So he got up and went. He didn't say, well, can I pray about that, Lord? He didn't need to go seek counsel. But there's this intimacy with the friend of God, as a friend of God, that he heard him and he got up and he went. And listen, and he says, and there, guess what, was this Ethiopian eunuch. This eunuch was simply a, someone who was the private parts were removed so that he can stay faithful to those who are in authority so that he wouldn't maybe try to, um, you know, play around with one of the harem of the kings and all that stuff. And, and, and they would have authority and power, you know, within the, the context of that kingdom. So this, this Ethiopian eunuch was the eunuch uh, and, a, and he was re responsible uh, for the treasury of Queen Candace. Now you hear a term, it says Ethiopian. Now, it can be an Ethiopian, okay? It, it could be a region. Some say that it could be Sudan area. Some also say this, is that back during that particular time in history, that's how they describe people of color. Stay with me. So, so if anyone here or anyone watching, or anyone who ever watched this who are a person of color, who says, oh, that's a white man's gospel, Wrong. Okay, I'm not even going to get into Jesus' uh, historical background, all right, which proves that wrong as well. 
But here, staring to the text, you clearly see immediately the gospel is going to other people. What, how can you apply this to yourself? No matter what race or culture or socioeconomic class you are today, you must always keep in mind that you have a responsibility to go to the other. If you're black, go to the white. If you're Hispanic, go to the blacks. If you're Hispanic, whatever. If you're, if, you're, if you're black, go to the white. If you're white, go to the black. If you're pink, purple, go to something that's not like you. And that's what you see God doing right away once the, the children of Israel and those that were proselytes of Judeo-ism, Judaism, they were immediately thrust into other cultures. So should you, so should we. I always tell people, I said, listen, if the only people around your dinner table are people who look like you, something's wrong. If you can't find someone on your speed dial and you're locked in on your phone that you can call at any time who's outside of your race or culture, something's wrong. You're not choosing to go outside of your Jerusalem. And as we're learning, he will nudge you. And he will force you to go where you're supposed to be. But here you find in this context, uh, you have Philip following the process. Many, he is, next point in this, this, this transition of the process, he is sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Do you, do you hear what he does? He's, angel comes, he hears, he gets up, goes. No change of scenery, doesn't come to the next day or the next week or the next month. N none of that, none of that that we see and experience in our own lives. He gets up and go. It gets better. So if you can go to verse 28, it says, and he was re uh, returning and sitting in his chariot. This is the Ethiopian eunuch. And was reading the prophet Isaiah. <laughs> this is so fascinating. And then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. What? I don't know this guy. He's a foreigner. But go, go catch up with this chariot. So listen, then Philip ran. He must have been pretty fast. He ran up and heard him reading Isaiah. The prophet and said, do you understand what you're reading? Duh. Has God ever done that to you? Go over there, and when you go over there, he sets you up. Then it gets better. And he says, well, how could I? Unless someone guides me. Bingo! Listen, if Philip didn't go to the desert, he wouldn't have met the Ethiopian eunuch. He wouldn't be able to tell the, wouldn't see the Ethiopian eunuch reading it, the book that is going to transform his life, nor would the Ethiopian eunuch would be there to say, hey, can I ask you a question? I don't know what to do about this person that I'm hearing in Isaiah. But here's, this is so cool. He's reading Isaiah. Why Isaiah? Why is it so important? It says, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shear is silent. So he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. So, when I was reading this, 
You remember what John the Baptist said when Jesus came onto the scene? He says, behold, the Lamb of God, who's coming to what? Take away the sins of the world. You see, that, that's what this Ethiopian eunuch was, was connecting here, was that he was reading about the Lamb of God who was about to take away all of his sins. But if Philip didn't go to the desert, he wouldn't see the chariot. He wouldn't see the Ethiopian eunuch reading a particular passage that can ultimately do what? Change his life. How many times have you experienced that? Just saying, it should be more frequently than it has. Then the eunuch answered Philip and said, please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. And they went along the road and, and came to uh, some water. And the eunuch said, look, water, what prevents me to be, from being baptized? Why would, he, why would he say that? It's because, remember, the scriptures clearly say, and it was taught, be baptized for the remission of your sin. No, no, that's not the proper vernacular. What that really means is be baptized because your sins have been forgiven. Behold, the Lamb of God who does what? come to take away the sins of the world. So apparently he knew that his sins were forgiven. Then the first thing to do is what? I need to be baptismal. And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. You hear that? And he ordered the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water. So Philip went down. He must have been excited because he went down with them. He said, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up, listen to this, out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but when, went on his way rejoicing. Beam me up, Scotty. He just went. Whew. I mean, can you just imagine that? Someone's right there before you. I mean, flesh and blood person baptizing you, and you come out of the water, he's gone. Just saying, why not, why not us? Why not now? Follow the process. Part of the sensitivity you find in verses 26 and 29, two key words. 26, an angel of the Lord spoke. This word spoken in Greek means laleo. It is the, it, it is the word laleo, which means to talk at random. <laughs> So think about this. God wants to just talk to you at random. He don't want you to set the time all the time. Okay, this is my devotional time. I'm just going to sit here. It's 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to read my devotional book. And okay, God, speak to me. Speak to me now. You know, I got 30 minutes. God, speak to me. Okay, God, get close. Get close. Okay, I got to get to work. Okay, you got to speak to me now. Speak to me now, Lord. Oh, Lord, speak. We get all religious with it, right? Okay, God, speak to me. Okay, uh, all right, okay, God, speak to me. I got five more minutes. I, <laughs> right? God wants to just randomly speak to you. He wants to crash your party. Amen. He wants to get you, you know, he wants to blindside you. You're taking a shower. Woo-hoo-hoo. Oh, God, why are, you, why are you talking to me right now? You know, you know you're on the, you know, reading the gospel of John, you know, and before you know it, it's like, oh, you know, so he's speaking to me here too. 
You know, you, you, you know, you, you're pushing your car down the grocery, in the grocery store aisle. It's, oh, God, can you stop speaking to me? But that's what it should be, is that no matter where you are, you're playing with your kids. Something happened. Something triggers. The voice of God speaks to you. And it becomes so natural, randomly speaking to you. That's what he wants. Right? What do good friends do? Do they like, hey, okay, guess what? Uh, we're going to talk to each other like every Monday morning at this time. Good friends just say, hey, man, what you doing? How you doing today? Everything good? That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He just randomly called us. But then for our intellectual kind of people, uh, verse 29 says, the Spirit said to Philip. The word said is uh, uh, from a Greek word, lego, lego which means or involves the intellectual part of a man, his reasoning. So God knows who he created. There's going to be some pop people who just, okay, God, can you intellectually speak to me? You know, maybe through his word, right? You're sitting down the word and it's like, ooh, perfect revelation because I define this word and this word, this word. Ooh, bingo. Intellectually, I found it, right? And we get that. It's like, oh, I can't believe it. Oh, look, look what I found, a treasure, Right? And that's okay. But here's the challenge. If I am intellectual and all I want is in the intellectual part of communication with God, you're going to miss his voice. Because chances are he's going to randomly speak to you or want to randomly speak to. And the caution for randomly, the ADHD kind of people like me, you know, it's like you're going to be over here just doing your thing and just be like productive. But there's going to be times that you got to stop what you're doing get intellectual and let him speak and not think that he can't speak intellectually you follow me like me with theological conferences that I go to every year it's like okay can you just get to the point I mean that you know it's like oh because that's the way I'm wired I'm like oh I see the end of the story it's like, okay can you like fast forward man I get what you try to say but but why are you going through all these you know intellectual gymnastics on me but many times God had to settle me down and said, no, sit your tail down. You're here for a theological conference. Let them speak to the intellectual part of you. Both of them are important. Both are important. Inseparable. And both of them helps us to navigate the process of the gospel, of the Great Commission. So many times before you can get to uh, Judea, he may need to sit you down intellectually. He may need to random speak to you before you get to Samaria. Are you, you tracking with me? That, but you cannot put him in this box and say, no, no, well, he didn't speak to me. You know, he didn't speak to me verbatim in his word. I, I didn't, you know, doing that, doing that devotional time, that's when God normally speaks to me. He didn't speak to me then, so God don't want me to do it. And then we'll cancel God out, the move of God out, because it didn't happen systematically. But then you got the others, like, oh, well, God didn't speak to me in a dream, and God didn't, you know, he don't really speak to me when I'm right on my way to work, and he didn't speak to me then, so it ain't God. No, maybe you need to stop, study the Bible, and make sure you're following every dot and every tittle of what God is saying there, because that's what you need to get from Samaria. It works together.
it works together. That's my point. The church has a systematic step that we are required to follow, and that is a sensitivity of his spirit. Lastly, and it's a tough one, so we will be provoked, empowered, follow the process, but then lastly, the church moved beyond its walls effectively when it operates in forgiveness. One of the biggest problems with the church today is it holds too, much, too many grudges for too long. Uh, it hurts, we hurt each other, and then we don't forgive each other. Matter of fact, you're seeing it more and more now on social media, it's, it's like nobody has a filter. It's like, I'm gonna say whatever I want, when I want it, however I want it, and Jesus ain't gonna be nowhere near it. That politics and, and cultural and social issues and stuff uh, uh, takes precedent on the heart of people. In other words, did I hurt your feelings? Did I hurt you? It's like, I don't care. I'm just going to say what I want to say because this is my platform. It's wrong. Absolutely wrong. But we want to experience the power of God. Well, let's read. Acts chapter 9, verses 3 through 6, you have now the, you have Saul. Think about this. Here's Saul persecuted the church. And then now, he's a part of the church. What would you do if you knew this guy, Saul, who just killed your uncle, threw your brother in prison, is now coming to your church? <laughs> believe it or not, side note, I believe one of the reasons why God appropriately assigned Paul to the Gentiles it's because the church couldn't handle them there. The per people probably wouldn't forgive them. They pro I would, I would, the way I know people <laughs> and the way I've been around people for so long and, and Christians in general, there are people who will go to their grave not forgiving Saul, which would hinder the gospel. Acts chapter 9, verse 3 through 6. As he, meaning Paul, was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And it's funny, when, when I read that, it's like, I wonder if he said, hey, Saul, Saul, why, why are you picking on my church? Why are you hurting me? Or did he say, Saul, hey, now go ahead, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Hey, 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 hold up, Saul. What you doing to me? I believe the beautiful thing about the word is that based upon your lens of life, you can interpret one way or the other. Because some of us need God to yell at us about this time. Some of us still need a still small voice to say, okay, sweetie, just can you, can you, can you stop persecuting my church? I, I know you know better. Can, can you just stop? Can you just stop? But some of us just need a, a, a heavy hand. A deep voice, a daddy approach, if you mean, oh, hold up, daddy's home. You better stop that. And then it's interesting, Paul says, and he said, who are you, Lord? <laughs> As, you know, he's calling him Lord. And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up, enter the city, 
and it will be told to you what you must do. Now, fast forward, all right, just for the sake of time. So then it goes on to say in verse 15, it says, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is cho he's a chosen instrument. Now, this is Ananias, who is now getting this totally separate vision from God, and the angel of the Lord speaking to him. Well, think about this. One, Paul, is, Paul is being spoken to, Ananias is being spoken to, ultimately to do what? Come together. Isn't that God? That's the way he does it. So he's talking to Ananias, and, he's, and, and Ananias apparently needed God or some supernatural, powerful experience with God to say, okay, you know that guy who's been persecuting your cousins, your aunts, your uncles, your mom, your dad, you, you know, your, your children? Okay, I want you to go meet that guy. What? <laughs> right? So think about this. So he says in verse 15, but the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias departed and entered, listen to this please, the house and after laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul. Wait a minute. You see, there's two types of forgiveness you see here. Is that Paul hurt Jesus. And did Jesus delay in forgiving him? Did he say, okay, well, Paul, you know what you got to do? Or Saul, you know what you got to do? You have to jump through a few hoops. You have to, you know, kind of, uh, you know, do 100 jumping jacks, you know, about 100 push-ups. And, you know, or you got you know, to do all this stuff. And then, Saul, I'll forgive you. Immediately, instantaneously, Jesus says, now get up and go. Meet your brother now. There was no, there was no delay. There was no, okay, let me think about it. And, and it is so like God that God himself, God the Father, didn't have this conversation with them. Right? The first person of the Trinity didn't show up. But it was God, it was what, God the Son, right? It was Jesus. To me, now it becomes personal. Right? Wait a minute. Jesus, who did no wrong, said no wrong, helped everybody, served everybody, came to die for people who didn't want him at all. Is the first one who forgives them. But why then do we as followers of Jesus Christ see seem to think that we have the audacity to hold on to things and hold things over people's heads until we feel like we are some kind of God and can do it however we long to do it. But Jesus, who did no wrong, hurt nobody, did everything right, was the first one to say, okay, Paul, pick yourself up by, Saul, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. You're part of the family now. Let's get busy. Let me, let me let you, let you meet one of your brothers. Church, here's the deal. No forgiveness, no power. You can pray. You can ask Jesus to empower you. You can fast. You can, you have the whole world fasting for your behalf. If you don't learn how to forgive, you will never walk in power. And there's some believers in Jesus Christ will go to their graves 
never experiencing the complete power of the Holy Spirit, the complete power of Jesus Christ working in their lives because they have chosen not to forgive. Why do, how do I know this with great confidence? Listen, if you don't forgive your brother, you know what you're still doing? Persecuting Jesus. Still persecuting Jesus. And you're really saying, as the scriptures teach in other places, that his death was in vain. So how then can I think that I can continue to go through life, not forgiving people, not letting it go, holding over their heads, and think I can walk in the purity of forgiveness, or the purity of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because I'm choosing not to forgive. Listen, the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about forgiveness. So how can I pick and choose and say, well, no, I'm not going to forgive. Oh, but give me the fullness thereof. Doesn't work that way. You see, here's the great deception, is that you and I can live on one verse for the rest of our life and walk in some kind of power. Because that's how powerful the word of God is. Because he said his word would never return void, but it will accomplish those things that which he was sent, and it will prosper in those things. A sinner can prosper from the biblical principles that God gives us. And you see it all the time. But our responsibility is to become men and women who get this and say, you know what? I need to first myself forgive myself because Christ has forgiven me. Embrace the forgiveness of Christ, which should give me the easeability to say, you know what? If someone's wronged me, I gotta let it go because Christ let it go about, you know, towards me. Matter of fact, I need to start initiating this thing. But, but let me tell you the, 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 the God's honest truth. And I was talking to a brother after our first service about this. He said, you know, Pastor, I get what you're saying, but it breaks my heart because all this political noise, this racial noise, you know what? It is not showing anything you're talking about in the church. And we're in sin, and, and, it's, and it's, it is hurting and persecuting Jesus all the more. But yet we want, we want to walk in the power of God. We want to stop all these, you know, narratives from happening, right? We want racial unity in our nation. We want abortion to stop. We want, you know, we want same-sex marriages to stop. But we can't even get along with each other. House divided can't stand. House divided will never walk in the power of God. And the first way back to a house become going from undivided to being whole again is forgiveness. No forgiveness, no wholeness, no forgiveness, no wholeness, no wholeness, no power. God forbid it's where we play in our sandbox here at Commitment. We need to be men and women who are quick to forgive. Quick to forgive. And it's so sweet how God has treated Saul in his transition into the body of Christ. Because he said, okay, guess who's going to be your first sidekick? Barnabas. 
whose name means son of consolation, son of encouragement, that I'm going to put you right in sync with a man who get you, who will love you right where you are and love you enough to get you where you need to be. It's just the way he does it. So the question will be, as we end today, is this, who will be the Barnabas? Because there's a whole bunch of Saul's around us today, for sure, for sure, for sure. But who will step up to be the Barnabas? To say, you know what? I'm going to be the, the son of consolation, the daughter of consolation. I'm going to be the one that is repairing stuff rather than destroying stuff. I'm not going to value my opinion over the value of someone's eternal state. And for the record, I'm not going to push a political agenda. A president, a vice president, a congressman, a senator, a mayor, or whoever, whatever kind of official, because listen, please, closely, church, the narrative has already been written. Read the end of the story. You really think, do you really think, do, do, you, do we really think that we can change the storyline? So what we need to do as a church is to understand that we are living in the birth pains of Jesus' return. So my decision for the record is, if you tell me in Ephesians chapter 5 that I have limited time because of days in which I'm living, and if you have given me a half a dozen words to speak, let them be about Jesus and Jesus alone. Because you know who's going to change the president? Jesus. Right? Jesus is going to change the president. You know who's going to change the senator to the congressman? You know who's going to make us one nation under God? Jesus. No president, no man, no Facebook post. No social media platform. The bottom line is when you pursue Christ and Christ alone, and there are people that are dying, church. There are people that are dying and we're so hung up on ourselves and what we want to say and what others are saying. Stop it. It's sin. It's about Christ and Christ alone. And if we as a church ourselves, commitment, community, church, focus and commit to Christ at least our part of the world will change. You see God do amazing things in your family, in your heart, in the heart of this nation, at least our part of the nation. We have responsibility, and it begins with the household of faith. Forgive and let it go. Because it's holding the gospel back. As I mentioned to you, that we're going to end with four questions. 
at the end of every message, but there's something else I want to add today, and that is this. Can you spend time with me in prayer and fasting? And as I asked last service, it was this. Can you spend time with me from sundown or, if you want to say, dinner time Friday, all day Saturday, through the worship service you come to, and then you can break your fast, beginning next week until the series is over. You can eat, if you eat breakfast and lunch, eat your breakfast and lunch on Friday, no dinner Sunday, I mean Saturday, excuse me, Friday, no dinner Saturday, I mean no, nothing Saturday, come to church, after service, you can break your fast. But then I will also ask this of you, because these don't come out only but by prayer and fasting. And we are fighting against a spiritual battle, church. I don't care what you say, you could say is, is racial, yeah, that's just, that's just a symptom. It ain't racial, it ain't even racial. It ain't even racial at all. Is the president, it ain't even the president. The president don't even know he knows what he's doing. No pre- For the record, no president of the United States of America knows what they're doing. For the record. Okay, they can sound like they know what they're doing, but they don't know what they're doing. Okay, no one knows what they're doing in that office. But we got to know what we should be doing. Let's tend to our business. Let's get on our knees before God. So I want to ask you as well, whatever service you come to, can you start coming 30 minutes ahead of time to pray? That God, pray, why not us, why not now? Why can't you pour out your spirit upon us? that our children and our children's children will be talking about the deeds that you have done in us and through us until Jesus Christ returns. Why not now? Why can't God, why can't there be a great awakening that starts here on 2 Berlin Road South? Why can't it be us? But we gotta, we gotta sow something in the spirit. We gotta sow something in the spirit and I wanna challenge you. Let's enter a time of prayer and fasting and in the culmination of that eighth week and just believe that God's gonna do something miraculous in us and through us for generations to come. Friday, all day Saturday, through the service and then you can break the fast and go Sunday evening, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, start it again on Friday. And that this is what, five more weeks, right? Something like that. Let's link arms in the spirit and get this done and believe that God's gonna do a miracle, amen? So let's pray these last four points, please. And thank you for your time today. A lot of stuff we covered. Can you, just where you are right now, just ask God, why not me, why not now? Why not me, why not now? And can you then ask the Lord, Okay, Lord, uh, what is hindering this? Is there, is there anything that, hin- that is hindering you in my life today? And thirdly, as he shows you what is hindering, just ask God for help in that area. God, can you help me overcome this? And if we can stand to our feet on the final one, please. And as the worship team comes up, the, the last one is this. Can you pray 
or declare, if you would, this last point. Father, let this be me and let this be now. Let it be me and let it be me now. God, let this be me and let it be me now.